me in your Bibles in the Gospel of John chapter 9. I'm going to read together in just a few moments from John chapter 9. We will have other readings after that. We'll read a little bit more than the others from John chapter 9. We'll have some basic points on the, the screen behind me, but if you would have a Bible open or on and ready to follow along with us, I would love it if you would meet me there. There's just one thing. You ever heard that phrase before? There's a lot that can hinge on that phrase. Maybe what started out pretty optimistically suddenly takes a turn with that phrase. There's just one thing. You've been with the company for many, many years. You have been a diligent worker. You have climbed several rungs on the ladder. And you have gotten the attention of many who are higher above you. And there has been talk behind the scenes about you being the one who is elevated next to one of the the highest positions in the company and you're invited to come into a higher ups office at 4 45 p.m on friday and you're very excited you've shared with your wife well i i think maybe this is finally going to be the afternoon where a whole lot of that hard work and diligence and sacrifice pays off and you have a seat and there are multiple people who tell you how much they appreciate you and and they appreciate your work and they've noticed what you mean to the company. There's just one thing. And it goes downhill from there. As you hear about someone else receiving that promotion that you were really really hoping for you're ready to close on a house and all of the anxiousness that goes along with that there have been so many signatures so much paperwork so much packing and anticipation about what is to come and and you hear that you're supposed to go to the office at at noon on Thursday and you're finally going to be able to close on your house and there's a a nice secretary that welcomes you as you come in and a a, a smiling couple of people in that intimidating boardroom and and everybody sits down and they thank you for your patience and and they thank you so much for everything you've poured into this there's just one thing and your stomach immediately starts to turn as you hear about someone who fumbled some paperwork three steps or three states away and now you're going to have to wait a little bit longer there's a lot that can hinge on that there's just one thing phrase maybe tilted in a an optimistic direction. You got a devastating health diagnosis. 
And you've done your best to stay away from WebMD and Google and, and you're just waiting the best that you can patiently to, to hear from the specialists and they sit down with you and they have nothing but challenging things to say and, and the more that they talk, the more you feel your spirit sinking but before they're done, they say there's, there's just one thing. And your spirit begins to soar with optimism as they tell you about a new study and a, a new approach, new medication that maybe could make all the difference. There's a lot that can hinge on there's just one thing. Could I encourage you this evening to zero in on those two words, one thing. In both Old and New Testaments, and I think there's a lot we can learn, a lot we can be challenged by this evening, hopefully will help us to focus and be reminded of the things that matter most. Roger this morning talked about how, how if you wear glasses, maybe they get smudged or you, you, you can't see as clearly as you would like or need to see. Well, I hope that one thing where that shows up in just a few passages in God's Word will help clear some of that smudging and help us see as clearly as God would have us to as his children this evening. Could I suggest to you in John chapter 9 we run across one thing to know. Begin reading with me in verse 1 of John 9. As, as Jesus passed by he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground. And made mud with the saliva, then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed. And that man who had been born blind came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he's like him. He, he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go wash in Siloam. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been born blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, 
He put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is sinner, a sinner, do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And here's our first one thing. John chapter 9, verse 25. That man who had been born blind answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know. That though I was blind, now I see. Life is about learning and knowing a lot of things. And there have been a lot of people who grew up with parents, grandparents, great-grandparents who loved God. But the more that this person, as a young man or a young woman, came to know, they came to start treating all of the other things that they were learning as more important than knowing God. Knowing the Jesus that actually drew our attention to, to get our minds focused this evening. Could I encourage you this evening, very deliberately, to take this one thing approach to life? It is wonderful to learn. We are wonderfully blessed in this part of the world at this point in history where perhaps it has never been easier to learn just about anything that you have curiosity about. But could I encourage you to remember from this evening, there is one thing to know that is more important than anything else. Sin makes us blind. Jesus helps us see. 
And there are a lot of you that know a lot more about lots of things than I know. Could I encourage you to remember you can get to the point where you know more about X or Y or Z than anyone else on the planet. You can be the expert of experts. You can see more clearly about A, B, or C, this issue that is really important to you, this, this passion that has been building over the course of years in your life. And, and it is amazing to know those things and be able to talk about them and use them and, and share them and even serve other people with them. But if you miss this thing, 10,000 years from now, what difference will all of that specialized knowledge have? There is, above everything else, one thing to know. Whatever gets your attention this week, would you remember this one thing? One thing to know. Rebellion against God makes me blind. Jesus can open my eyes. And the eyes of anyone. Go back with me to the gospel just before this. Luke chapter 10. The one thing approach to life. One thing to know. One thing to choose. One thing to know. One thing to choose. Begin reading with me there in the gospel of Luke chapter 10. Verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a man named, or a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve Alone, tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Here's one thing, number two. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. What's your one thing that you wake up in the morning excited about? That you just love to talk about and share about on social media? What's your one thing that as people tomorrow ask you how the weekend was, I mean, it's just going to bubble to the surface without you even even trying. There are lots of things because there are lots of people with diverse interests that, that come to be the one thing in my life. And, and maybe as a young person it's one thing and then as I get a little bit older it's another one thing. But just about all of us have that one thing that just makes our hearts come alive. There are lots of full-grown men who for Sunday, their one thing is football. They just can't get enough 
of football. For others, maybe it's volleyball or golf or, or gymnastics, but it is the one thing around which everything else revolves. I mean, it's what we talk about, it's what we're devoted to, it's what fills our calendar, it's what everything else is oriented around. Well, you, you know, we, we, we have these obligations as family members, these obligations as friends, we have these obligations and opportunities with our church family, but it's football season, and that is the one thing around which everything else is going to revolve. Well, sure, one thing. For, for some, it's work. I mean, that's just what keeps driving me. It's, it's, it's career. It's, it's having the next rung in the ladder in my view, and that's what drives me on Monday morning. That's what I'm going to be thinking about. For others, it's a boat. For others, it's a smartphone. What's your one thing for, for some in this part of the world it's it's freedoms personal rights and and we absolutely ought to be very 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 thankful to God for the land in which we live and the freedoms that we enjoy but for some I mean if it comes to living like a disciple of Jesus or living like a free American I, I'm I'm going to act more like a free American than I am a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. For, for others, it's family. What, what's your one thing? Nothing wrong with family. Beautiful things about family. But if a spouse or a child or a grandchild makes a mess of their life, and then I start changing who I am as a disciple of Jesus or how I'm going to act, how I'm, I'm going to try and cover this situation. And I, I you know, with, with other people, I've, I've always shared, well, this is what the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Spirit, says about this mess. This is what Jesus had to say. And he, he took us all the way back to creation. And, and, and that's just been the answer. But now I have a, a loved one in that situation. And suddenly the loved one is the one thing around which everything else is going to be oriented. What's your one thing? We heard in John chapter 9, there's one thing to know. Everything else you ever learn, one thing to know. Though I was blind, now I can see. One thing to choose. There are lots of things in this world that can make us anxious and troubled about many things. But just one thing is absolutely necessary. Does Jesus have the right to tell me that? That he comes before football and volleyball and golf and gymnastics. He comes before work and career. He comes before boat and phone. He comes before freedom and my own personal rights. He comes before my own family. One thing to know, 
one thing to choose. That brings clarity. Let's go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 27. It was actually Psalm 27, our reading from this past Wednesday, if you're following in our daily Bible reading schedule, that, that got me thinking about one thing. Shows up right here in Psalm 27. It's a psalm of David. You begin reading with me in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. How did David get to that point? I'd suggest to you the key is in Psalm 27 verse 4. Just one thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. And it's bigger than anything else we can ask him for. I'd encourage you to maybe tune into that frequency this week and just start noticing how many things you easily and naturally ask the Lord for. And don't get me wrong, absolutely He, he calls us to ask and seek and knock and cast our anxieties on Him because He cares for us. But here is crystal clarity. More important than asking him for food today. More important than asking him for more days with my spouse. More important than asking that my children would be healthy. More important than asking that my children would be safe as they go to school. What do you ask the Lord for? There's, there's lots of things, right? But here... Here is the one thing, one thing to ask. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. If I know how to play the best cover two defense ever played in the game of football, but I miss out on spending eternity in the house of the Lord. I wasted my life. If I became the most successful person anyone has ever seen, the biographies about me just cannot be written fast enough, but I fail to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I've wasted my life. If I and my family, my, my spouse, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren live the most beautiful, Instagrammable life anyone has ever seen and I fail to inquire in His temple, I've wasted my life. 
Nothing matters than this one thing. One thing to know, one thing to choose, one thing to ask. God, I want to be with you for eternity. And so I'm not going to let anything else. I'm not going to let my own self become the one thing. Which means, you go with me finally to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Toward the end of our Bibles. One thing to know. One thing to choose. One thing to ask. One thing to do. Would you begin reading with me there in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2 where Paul, he cares about these saints, these men and women who have become disciples of Jesus in Philippi. And he, he warns them in Philippians 3 verse 2, you need to look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. There are, are, are people who are fixated on many other things than singular allegiance to Jesus Christ. He says in verse 3, We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself, Paul opens up a little, have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the people of Israel. I'm, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, that's where Israel's first king came from, right? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As, as to the law, I'm, I'm a Pharisee. I take that law really, really seriously. As to zeal, I, I persecuted an entire movement of people near and far that I believed were on the wrong track. As to righteousness under the law, I, I was a blameless law keeper, but I came to saw to see the one thing. And because this thing was shared with me, suddenly it, it didn't matter what, what my family tree was. My past, all of my past accomplishments, all of the accolades, my, my reputation, my standing in the community, all of those things had a place, but none of those things could be the one thing. Whatever gain I had from, from those things, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of one thing to know and if I don't know Jesus I don't know what I ought to know I, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus more, my Lord for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things there is one thing to choose those things, I'm choosing to look at those, count those as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection. There's one thing to ask. God, could I spend eternity with you in your house? 
And maybe it's going to involve sharing in his sufferings for right now, becoming like him in his death. But I'm going to do that, that by any means possible, one thing to know, one thing to choose, one thing to ask, I want to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but... One thing, one thing matters more than everything else. Forgetting what lies behind, but I like what lies behind. There's one thing to do. But I, if I relinquish what lies behind, then who am I going to be without those things? There's one thing to do. But it's going to hurt. There's one thing to do. But it's going to be embarrassing. There's just one thing to do. But I, if I do that, I, I don't know where in the world I can go from here. There's, there's just one thing. Thing that matters more than everything else. And it matters more than my reputation. It matters more than my past. It, it matters more than how people look at me. This same man says, listen, the most important thing is not how you look at me or even how I look at me. What matters most is the one thing. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That those of us who are mature think this way. You see, this is not simplistic. This is not elementary. This is what maturity looks like. There's one thing to know. All the other stuff really doesn't matter. There's one thing to choose. In a world that's anxious and troubled about many things, just one thing is necessary. One thing to ask. Can I dwell in the house of the Lord forever? One thing to do. Let's end in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. What if the Lord were to look me in the eye? What if he this evening were to look you in the eye and tell you because he loves you there's just one thing. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Maybe the best question ever asked by a mortal in, in the Bible. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And, and he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. 
And because he loved him, he said to him, you lack one thing. In this case, it was go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But this young man was disheartened by the saying. And so he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You see, that was his one thing. And so what if the Lord looked at me or looked at you and looked us in the eye this evening and said, because he loved me, because he loved you, there's just one thing. You, you know a lot, but you don't know me. You make a lot of choices, but... You're putting a lot of things before me. And over the course of your life, you, you've asked my father for a lot of things, but you, you don't have your eye on the one thing to ask. Therefore, you're not doing the one thing. Maybe during our brief tour of a few passages from Old and New Testaments this evening, that one thing has become a little clearer, a little sharper in your heart's focus this evening. 